God, we, uh, we're, we're just so honored, God, so incredibly humbled, mm-hmm. Father, by reading what you and what Jesus has done for us, God, mm-hmm. the, the suffering that was involved in bringing us into a relationship with you where we can have full confidence to find mercy and grace in our time of need. Mm-hmm. Father, thank you. We need that so, so much. Father, thank you for opening up your heart so wide to us. Thanks for your steadfast love for us. Father, help us now as we open up the scriptures. Father, have a heart that that, uh, that really takes it in. Father, have that sort of fertile soil where, where the seed can really grow. Father, help us to have ears that hear. And Father, help us to, to really try to pay attention, Father, to what you're trying to help us with personally. Father, we ask you to lead us and guide us very very um, powerfully, very gently, we pray. Father, very uh, inspirationally through your word, through your spirit this morning. Father, bless this time in the scriptures. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn over to uh, Romans chapter 12. And Sue and I just have just some brief thoughts this morning about, uh, about the springtime. Um, you know, the springtime is really a special time of year. Isn't it? I mean, and Rob was referring to it a lot as he was as he was speaking about, um, you know, uh, just all the things that we get to experience, you know, in the springtime and all the inspiration that comes from that. And certainly it is temporary. We know that summer's coming. We know that fall's coming. We know that winter's coming and all these kind of things. But, but there's a special moment in springtime where there's really a, a feeling of rebirth. There's a feeling, there's a, there's a reality that we experience, literally, viscerally, uh, of, of renewal of seeing the world that looks so brown and, 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 uh, and gray and sort of unalive around us start to, start to come to life. Start to, to come to life almost magically and, and almost on its own, you know. And it's just, it's just incredible, the, the colors, the smells, the reality of it. You start to hear the birds chirping. You're like, well, what's that noise? You're like, oh, wow, this that's a noise I haven't heard for uh, you know heard uh, in a few months, and there's just all this inspiration around it. And of course, God is trying to do something in us as He's doing something in nature. And you know, it says that we can tell a lot about God. We can connect to God a lot through the power that we see. You know, as maybe we look up at the stars, or the you know the 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 power that we see as we see a new birth. You know, and we see that just all those miraculous things coming to come, coming together. The power that we see as we look out on a on a site like Lake Champlain, and it's really meant to draw us closer to the Creator, and it's meant to inspire us and help us to know Him and have uh, have hope, to have a sense of of, uh, of power, of of connection in this big universe, uh, to find new beginnings. You know, the scriptures really talk about new beginnings in humans starting in our minds. Starting in our thinking. And it talks about that here in, in Romans chapter 12, in verse 1, in verse 2. It's interesting, we can get a new beginning, kind of, you know, we can be new every morning. We can be new every day as we take in what God says about reality. Because there's life there. And there's love there. And there's light there. It's really meant to inspire us. There's wisdom there to, to help us to, to, uh, to, 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 to live good lives. It reminds us of you know, God breathing into man the breath of life. 
and turning just just cells, just carbon and, and all the other stuff in there, and making it actually come alive. And that's you. And that's me. And that's God really trying to work in us through the scriptures, through our relationships, through the spirit, through our relationship with him to inspire us and to help us. You know, in Romans chapter 12, it says in verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Guys, we have an opportunity in the springtime to have our, our minds renewed, to go through a new beginning, to go through a new birth, and, uh, and to see the world come alive around us and to have that happen in our own life. As, uh, as we're transformed by the renewing of your mind. I love the New Living Translation, which says this. It says, don't copy the behavior and uh, customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. There's incredible power there. As we shift you know, our thinking to God's design for our thinking, God's wholesome thinking. God's healthy thinking. We can become new. We can literally be transformed. We can be transformed in our heart, soul, mind, and strength. You know, so often we let our environment, we let our circumstances, we let social media, we let the opinions of others shape our thoughts and our thinking and and set the limits on our life and set the attitude of our hearts. And yet we have... we. As, as Jesus followers, we have an alternative. It's a whole lot more fun. It's a whole lot more uh, uh, healthy. It's a whole lot more. Um, it's a whole lot more uh, joyful. And it's so important to let God guide our thinking. So, um, if you don't know me, well, you might know me by now. But anyway, I hate flying, and. Um, <laughs> And it's just a, it's kind of a typical example of me. And so um, my flight out to Atlanta, I was just so peaceful. I didn't feel one bump. I feel like God was just like trying to encourage me. You're by yourself, Sue. I'm reading my Jesus Rabbi book. I'm like, oh, God. You're so good. Flight back to Vermont. I'm like, oh, God. Like, literally, there's this one part where I'm like holding both sides of the chairs. And I'm just... Oh, God, and the whole plane, I don't know what it was coming into Vermont. But, you know, usually I'm pretty good because when you're landing, you go, okay, we're getting close, so I can handle all the turbulence the last 15 minutes because I know I'm landing. And I don't have a problem with landing. I have more a problem with turbulence, stuff I can't control, of course. And there was turbulence a lot that came out of nowhere where they couldn't give you your drink and all that kind of stuff, you know, and your peanuts. Anyway, so we're flying down, and the guy is saying, basically, you know, you have about 15 minutes to land. We'll be in Vermont. I've never flown out of Burlington. I was like, psych, you know, but I need a window seat, so I couldn't see. But literally 14 minutes left, I think it was, I hear this person in front of us, like, three rows up. Like, first, that attendant yells at Steve because he really needed to use the bathroom. She's like, sit down! <laughs> and like, three people up from us going, this pilot 
but he's not imprisoned. And it blows my mind that he is literally captured, but he's taking captive his own thoughts. He's in prison, but he's not imprisoned. And it blows my mind because it, it was that reminder that he, even as I'm reading Philippians, that he's trying to, again, instruct me on your, it's not your, it's your attitude, not your attitude that turns your altitude. And so in Philippians 4, we know this passage, but it's changed my pattern of thinking. As a very emotional person, I can rely a lot more on my emotions than on my devotion in the Word of God. And in Philippians 4, verse 8, we've, we've read this before, but it's so powerful. Finally, my sisters and brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. And it really has struck me in a different way thinking about Paul setting me up for success spiritually. And he's expressing it almost every situation in all these issues in my books. My fear, my lack of self-control, my um, emotionalism, my lack of faith, um, does God still want to use me, am I enough? Like all these different things that can go in my head and my thought process. I feel like Paul has set me up for success with this train of thought. And it's three things. He says, put it, he says, thought, first of all, think about such things. So here he's in prison saying, I want to help you in, escape your own imprisonment. Think about these things, what's true, what's right, God's word, truth, not lies. And then he says the second thing, so it's first thought, think about such things. Then go from that to action, put it into practice. And it's funny how I've had to put it into practice like, 50 times a day, like a certain thought that you have to take and going out. Like, and it's hard, you know. And I, I believe it's true that once you learn how to ride a bike, you know, we can still get back on a bike. But it's funny when you see that and when it comes to your mind, it's the same thing. It's like I have to fight to keep practicing so it becomes more automatic that I do think and cap- capture things because I've changed the way I put things into practice. And so action is putting it into practice. And sometimes you have to do it 50 times a day, I've realized. Dealing with fear, sometimes you have to do it 10 times a day. But then God's promises, the third thing is, so you have the thought, you have the action to put it into practice, and then you have the experience. And what does it say? It says, then the God, not just you're going to be peaceful, but the God of peace Mm -hmm. will be with you. And that has really helped me. And as I'm going through wanting to be, my big thing this year, which I didn't want to say it because I knew it'd be a hard, it'd be hard work, is going from information to transformation. Like I want to be, I don't want to be informed this year. I want to be transformed. But transformation is a lot of hard work, and it's God working on me, but it's also me putting into practice, and especially this issue that so much of behavior therapy problems are rooted in um, faulty negative patterns of thinking. And I think that that's been helping me a lot. Like transformation is going to start because I think and I hold on to the rope of hope. So I've just been learning a lot. And every time, like, you know, I just, I want to be someone that's changing. But changing is hard. But I don't want to be the same. And I want to keep growing in my areas of overcoming my fear, overcoming my lack of self-control, overcoming my emotionalism, and relying on myself. And so... It's hard work, and the last thing I was going to say, I was at this body combat class, and they made this comment, 
Strength is in the struggle. I'm doing a push-up that I can barely do. And I think it's realizing that the strength of growth, even mental strength, it comes from the push-ups. It comes from the practice. And I'm like, okay, so I'm going to take hold of that. But anyway, those are just thoughts that have been on my head. So all these books, but really Jesus' words is all I need. Because Jesus said it first before all the self-help people and everybody else. I was trying to help in that in that plane trip. I just don't know how to help in this. Like I didn't know everybody's kind of like. Sue, I love you. Not quite sure right, with the turbulence because you know the whole place is going crazy. Dude, so they're just potholes. Sorry, babe. Yeah. I know it. I know it. You know, um, I, you know, Sue and I are reading this book together because we're really trying to get a hold of our thinking and go to a next, a new place, a renewed place of faith and hope and strength in our thinking. And so this is really helping us. And I love the introduction. It says, our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And that's a powerful idea. Our, our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. What we think shapes who we are. So you might read that and think I'm being an overly dramatic preacher using hyperbole to get your attention. But this is no exaggeration. Our lives do follow the direction of our thoughts. The better we grasp that truth, the better equipped we'll be to change the trajectory of our lives. But don't take my word for it. Both the Bible and modern science provide evidence that this is true. So throughout this book, we'll, be, we'll unpack the scripture, both scripture and what, we're learn, what we've learned from scientific research. Here's a brief example of both. In Philippians 4, 8, and 9, is what Sue just, Sue just talked about, Paul writes, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, and he goes on. And he talks about that thought and the action, the experience of doing what God is talking about there. Paul tells us that our thoughts shape our lives. In recent years, an entire discipline of modern psychology has developed called cognitive behavioral therapy. And a lot of us are very familiar with that because we've either been involved with it or we've studied about it or we've read books about it or, you know, these kind of things. But so there's this there's this whole modern psychology that's developed called cognitive behavioral therapy. This breakthrough teaching reveals that many problems, not all, but many problems from eating disorders to relational challenges, addictions, and even some forms of depression and anxiety are rooted in faulty and negative patterns of thinking. Treating those problems begins with changing that thinking. I don't know about you, but when the Bible and modern psychology say the same thing, I want to know more. And I think, guys, there's, there's a way to a stronger, healthier place if we will really take passages like Philippians 4 seriously. So for me, one of the things I'm discovering about myself is I, I kind of like indulging in self-pity. So a couple of weeks ago, I'm driving along, and my little Yaris, which is a 2009 Yaris, got 225,000 miles on it, stopped. It stopped running. <laughs> and, so, and so, you know, I mean, I, I think all of us can relate to car challenges. Uh, you know, in when we were in Atlanta, I got with one of the brothers there, who's an elder in the church, is also a financial uh, uh, planner, and we talked about my finances. That's probably, it's kind of like Sue's teeth, which is talking about going into the dentist. My finances is kind of an area of insecurity for me, because I haven't really focused on it much over the years. And so I'm sitting with this brother. And it's kind of all I could do to not kind of go to that place of self-pity. 
and um, and uh, you know, kind of wanting to blame it on circumstances. And I, it was just good for me just to, just to, just to hear it and go, no, Steve, kind of you know, think about this differently. Think about this faithfully. How can you move and act on this moving forward? So yesterday, I'm out in our Jeep and running a few errands. And sure enough, the, the engine light goes on in our Jeep and it starts acting weird. And so, you know, you kind of put these things together. And for me, I can go to a place of pitying myself. And, and it kind of feels good, actually. Oh, Steve, you have it so hard. <laughs> and it feels kind of good. You're like... Kind of like validating. Like, no, you're all you're, whatever that is. I don't even know what that is. Because it's, it's, it kind of get down in that hole a little bit, and then it kind of all goes bad. Mm-hmm. And those kind of those those good feelings of self indulgence and self pity, you can kind of just see the pattern of it. It doesn't go to a good place. And I, I've got to keep working on going to a better place when I'm faced with challenges. Mm-hmm. Especially certain challenges. Some challenges, I'm like, hey, no, no biggie. This, this, this is easy for me. Other challenges are more difficult. And I've really got to go to a place of better thinking. And I've really got to, like Sue was saying, learn how to replace the, uh, the lies with truth. So for me, one of the passages that's, that's, that's come up in my life as I'm self-pitying myself is that, no, I can do this. God has given me everything I need. To make it happen. And it's, it's the verse that's following, you know, Philippians chapter 4. It says, I can do everything through him who strengthens me. So it kind of asks me, well, see, who's your strength trainer? Mm-hmm. Who are you going to to find strength through the challenges of life that you face? And the answer to me is, is Jesus but I can see in my, own, in my own life that I engage and disengage from Jesus, his training of me, on typically when it, re- when it regards comfort. When it's comfortable to follow Jesus, and it's kind of in the flow of who I actually am in my natural self, then, hey, I'm all in. Let's do this following Jesus thing. But when it contradicts my, my, uh, you know, my temptations, or when it contradicts my challenges, when it contradicts my... You know, my, uh, you know, my personality, that sometimes I can fight against it and go, oh, that's kind of a cool idea, but I don't think about it, act up, practice it, and experience the, the results of that. And I think that's where it's really important for us to go, no, I can do everything mm-hmm, mm-hmm. through Him who strengthens me. There is no challenge in this life. God provides a way out, I just need to take it. God provides a solution for every problem. I just need to take it. I just need to take those opportunities in my thinking to say, Steve, this isn't healthy thinking. This isn't leading to a good place. This doesn't honor God. This isn't good for you. It's time to repent. It's time to change. It's time to, to, to intentionally move in a different direction. And so that's, I think, guys, where the scriptures come in. Because it's like Jesus in the desert. How did he? How did he? How did he battle? How did he fight the war of his mind and of his thinking about himself, about his circumstances, about his future, about his past? He did it because he hung on to the scriptures for dear life. He hung on to the truth of God and it set him free. I really want us to. I guess just take a moment right now for each of us to think about one of 
the best scriptures that kind of writes the ship mm. when we're going in the wrong direction. And let's just take a moment of reflection to write that down and then to share with the person next to us. What's a passage that helps you when Satan is coming after you, full-fledged, he says, are you really? Is this really? Can you trust this really? Is that what God said? What are the scriptures that you're coming back with to say, no, this is true? And even though it may not feel comfortable, this truth of life, this wisdom, is going to set me free. It's going to take me to a place of peace and being with the God of peace and having peace of God. So I'd like to just take a few minutes to, uh, to, to, to write that down, share it with the person next to us, and then and talk about it because there's such value in that in talking about the scriptures and, and you know and thinking about them together. And maybe you say, I don't really have one. And maybe the person next to you can say, hey, well, this is maybe... You know, this one that's really helped me. So let's help each other in that. But then we're going to come back after this little exercise, and we're going to see if anybody wants to lead us off. <laughs> <laughs>